Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. My guest today is Giles Russell, owner of Two Hands Restaurant, a New York City hotspot with three locations in Lower Manhattan. Although Giles is a successful restaurant owner today, it wasn't that long ago that he was surfing at Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia, and working a job that made him miserable. In today's episode, Giles shares his story from Bondi Beach to the Big Apple and how he lives out his faith every day through radical hospitality. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Giles online at donsadler.com slash 039. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by The Peak Page. The Peak Page is a free printable daily planning tool that has five high-performance productivity tools on a single page. The Peak Page can help you create more time, energy, and results in your day. Download your free copy at donsadler.com slash peak. And now, let's meet Giles. Hi, Giles. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dawn. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, my husband and I have the great joy of knowing you and your wife and your family um, for a couple of years now. And we've been so excited to see the journey that you've uh, taken in your business and in your life in that time. Um, so why don't we just start with, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, so my name is Giles Russell and uh, my wife Zoe Martin and I live in New York uh, in Brooklyn and we uh, have two beautiful children, Elijah Theodore and Arabella Joy. Elijah's two and a half and Arabella's um, just going almost a year. And we collectively as a family together with my business partner run and own Two Hands Restaurant. Um, so we have two locations in this New York and we're opening two more this year. So they are uh, all kicked off in 2014, um, but uh, the idea um, came to us in 2012 when we um, arrived in New York and started dreaming of what uh, what God had planned for us in this city. So it's a, a joy and an honor and a blessing to come to work every day and do what I do and I certainly don't take that for granted at all um, to be living out certainly my dream of what I wanted to do. So, yeah, we do uh, we do that. We make Australian food, which just essentially means healthy, nutritious, delicious, very vegetable-forward, plant-focused uh, food, breakfast, lunch, and soon to be doing dinner. And we make really good coffee. We make yummy cocktails, juices, smoothies, what have you. And it's just our goal to really make every single person that walks into this restaurant, whether that be a staff member or a guest, feel loved and, uh, you know, hopefully feel like they've been, uh, you know, touched by the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus um, is our main aim. Hmm, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about the backstory. First of all, I, 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 it's so easy for me to forget that it's only been since 2014 because so much has happened in such a short period of time. Um, but before we get to that, tell me a little bit about how did you end up in New York? Um, how did you end up in the restaurant business? Was that always your dream? Tell us a little bit about that backstory. 
Sure. So yeah, I, my very first job was in the restaurant industry. My very first real job um, when I finished school, I uh, started at college. I was studying business, and I got a job at a restaurant bar up the road from my apartment, from my house. Sorry, in Australia, and I yeah started on my journey in hospitality, and it was really just for a paycheck at first. It was you know you made the most money and you had the most fun, and then we. Uh, Kind of as I went along, I started working in like bars. I also worked in cafes. I worked did a little bit of catering and just as much as I could kind of get a, got as much ex- experience in different um, formats. And I really, really loved what I did. But in Australia, it wasn't at that point in time. This is like 2006 through 2010. Uh, hospitality wasn't really seen as an occupation that was one like lifestyle friendly <laughs> And in Australia, lifestyle comes first. Uh, you want to be out of work at five and at the beach or at the park or on the water in some sense. And it also was seen as like uh, just really risky. So, you know, the, that classic, oh, oh, everyone will steal your money when you're not looking. And then just generally like, you know, restaurants go under all the time. And so when I was in the in the industry, working in it, I really loved it, but I didn't really see a career forward um, in it. And I was studying marketing. And so I left college and I went and I worked at an advertising agency for a year. But at the same time, on the weekends, I worked at a cafe um, down where I grew up in Bondi Beach. And I found myself after six months having like direct comparison of like five days a week at a desk in front of a computer you know, doing all things advertising, which, you know, I was learning a lot, but um, I kind of just felt myself moving towards the hospitality end um, of the spectrum because at two days a week I would be at this cafe and it was like really buzzy and and, uh, and fun and full of people and full of amazing food and I'd, I was getting to like meet all these really cool, interesting uh people and also like working with amazing um like creative people from a food standpoint and uh as that kind of experience went on I got about nine months in and I thought you know I'm enjoying Saturday and Sunday more than I'm enjoying Monday to Friday now I can't work seven days a week for the rest of my life I really need to think about like what I want to do long term and that's kind of when I thought well maybe just maybe I might want to do hospitality um full-time I want my make that my career and it was also around that time that I simultaneously met my now wife Zoe and also decided that I was going to move to New York so we in Australia are very lucky to have a student visa that we can apply for uh, after college which allows us to work in the states for a year doing whatever we want um, within reason of course and I took up that visa um, you know with a few months to spare and I moved over here with Zoe. We'd then been together for like five or six months by that time. And I landed very thankfully on my feet in New York because I had a good family friend who had been um, at, he was a student at my school, except a few years older than me, my high school that is, who had just opened a restaurant with a few other Australian guys in the Lower East Side. And they had a, an existing restaurant that was about 10 years old that was in the Nolita area. 
And so I got to work almost like straight away at that cafe, um, at both of those cafes, one being built and one already open, and then another coffee shop. And I really just surrounded myself as much as I could with people who were in that industry and who were passionate about it. And as I kind of asked questions, which is kind of what I seem to do when I um, you know, need to learn something, I, I, I learn through just like asking people. Um, you can never ask enough questions. And it just, it became apparent to me two things. One, like hospitality uh, and like the uh, food and beverage as like a career in New York is, um, you know, risky, no doubt, but like very um, possible and very achievable if that's what you want to do. So which was a huge mind shift for me suddenly to see like, you know, people like Danny Meyer and Keith McNally and, uh, you know, Stephen Starr you know, some of the titans of the restaurant game, you know, who have been doing it for 30 years and, you know, who have created incredibly successful businesses and concepts. I was like, wow, okay, then then that's possible. And I also saw my friends doing it who are, you know, maybe five years um, ahead of me. And I was like, okay, that's, they've managed to work it out and they have similar life experience to me. They grew up in Australia, they worked in restaurants, they moved to New York, they opened their own space. And also, I, everywhere I went, people would ask me what I wanted to do and they, I would say, I want to open a restaurant. And instead of in Australia, you'd hear this like, ooh, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> that's very <laughs> risky. Like you won't have a life. Suddenly I started to hear like, that's amazing. That's such a, you know, that's such a cool thing. Hey, you need to meet my friend. He owns a restaurant or he, you know, he sells this product or he's an interior designer or he's like, whatever it might be. And, and suddenly I started to make all these connections with people who, you know, wanted to back this dream that I had. And so I felt like incredibly supported in, in what I wanted to do, which was, you know, honestly, like, you know, probably the biggest thing towards pushing me towards this because, um, you know, I, I wasn't convinced myself that I could do it. And so, you know, one thing led to another and Henry, my business partner, um, I knew from Australia, we um, went to similar schools. And so we met through kind of, you know, playing sport together and going to the beach together and going to concerts together and whatnot. He was also working here in New York at a restaurant. And so, you know, we both had this like simultaneous dream of like opening this Australian style cafe serving, you know, good coffee and, and yummy, um, like Aussie style food. And we just like hit the hit the footpath and started like looking at spaces and uh, you know, starting to work out like how do you get a lease and and whatnot and and of you know two years in we uh it kind of felt like oh maybe this like isn't going to happen <laughs> because uh, no landlord would talk to us it was proving really really hard to um to even like get in front of a landlord to try and prove our case and then kind of out of nowhere we found a a space on Craigslist which became our first location on Mott Street um, between Broom and Grand in what is actually Chinatown or Little Italy, what we call no leader for the, uh, um, for the marketing standpoint. Uh, and, and the landlord, you know, within two weeks had um, written us a lease and, and we'd signed it and, and we were off to the races. So um, that was the story. 
I love that. And I love that when there's something that God is calling us to, it's so interesting how people just sort of gather around us. Even when we're unsure, even when it seems crazy to us, there's just this sort of groundswell that um, that is created around us to sort of propel us forward. But talk to me a little bit about your salvation story. When did you, when were you saved? What was, what, what was going on in your faith life during this time? Uh, I think it's, it's in two parts. The first part is I grew up um, going to church every Sunday. My um, my grandfather was a minister in the Anglican Church, so I and I went to a, I went to a Christian school, um, and we you know had Bible studies and whatnot um, throughout that time. So I, I obviously I knew who God was and I believed in Him and I and I and I knew all the Bible stories. Um, and so I and I just thought that that was what like believing in God was. I'd pray when something was wrong. I would, uh, you know, I'd thank him when something went well, but that was pretty much the extent of it. And then I, I moved to New York and, um, Zoe, my wife, um, was, um, going to church and she, uh, um, invited me along cause I hadn't since leaving college, since leaving school, really, I hadn't, and moving out of my mom's um, place, like I hadn't really gone to church again, other than like Christmas and Easter. And so I'd probably like unknowingly like drifted away from that relationship and, um, I started going to church again and it was interesting because I was probably in the first like three months of, of my life in New York and I was working like probably like 70 or 80 hours a week and like having a lot of fun, but like getting crushed as you like tend to do in this city. And what I found was when I started going to church and I, um, the pastor at the church I was attending at that time, like started talking about like, you know, having a relationship with Jesus and, and it, you know, it being this like back and forth and him, you know, being there no matter what. And, and I'd never kind of heard that before. I just like, I just heard the other part of it, which is like, there's this almighty God and he sits above and like, you just kind of have to do all you can to please him um, and be a good boy. And so, um, you know, he's, I started like reading the Bible, but also like hearing these Bible stories on Sundays and just like them being explained a totally different way that like, there were stories that I knew, but there was this new perspective on it. That it was like this, you know, this open, this relationship that you could have um, in a in a very real sense, like knowing the heart of God. And so, I think after about like maybe three or four weeks of like hearing this, I was like, wow, like I really, really need this in my life in a much bigger way. And so, um, it was like having already known and seen the impact and having looked back at like a lot of the stuff in this, like a lot of the stuff that had gone on in my life with this new perspective and just seeing how like God had worked like so tangibly, having not really realized that as like a teenager or like, you know, in my early twenties, like I just kind of, I definitely, you know, I knew that that was something that I needed very much in my life. I needed that relationship. So, you know, I, at that point in time gave, you know, gave my life, to Christ again, um, in a, in a real sense as an adult. And then, uh, and then, yeah, since, since then it's just, uh, I mean, it's been blessing after blessing after blessing. None of this would have been possible without that decision. So there's a, a piece of something that you said. Um, I think that's, I think that's great. That's such an interesting part of it that, that those things grew together, that your business grew along with sort of this deeper relationship, um, with Jesus. I am curious about something uh, different that you said, though, that you said in Australia, 
lifestyle comes first. And I'm just curious about that transition because I don't feel like that's true here in New York. I feel like work comes first in New York. Um, do you feel like, was that a culture shock or do you find that that's true or is that not your experience? Talk to me a little bit about the difference between Australia yeah, and sure. New York. I mean, I, it was a culture shock, but it was a culture shock that I was looking for in the sense that I <laughs> I had a, a job at an advertising agency as like a, a an EA or just like a, um, you know, first round um like job at an agency and I would wake up in the morning, go for a surf probably s- seven days a week. And if the surf was really good, I wouldn't go to work. I would just <laughs> surf until like 10 or 11 o'clock and then I'd call up and see like, oh, I'm really, really sick, sorry. And I I could see when I was out in the surf, I started to see people like 10 years in front of me doing the same thing and uh while I love surfing and it was um, for better, for worse, like probably a full blown addiction for a good part of my life. um, I didn't want to be that person because I knew that there was more on my life than just like surfing and going to work intermittently in between like (laughs) the good swells. And so, you know, I was so blessed um, um, growing up to like have the parents that I had and live in the area that I lived in and go to the school that I went to and be accepted to the college that I was accepted into. Like so much of my life was, was just being, you know, blessed in, in ways, you know, I didn't feel deserving of. And so when I, so when I moved to New York, I was looking for that change. I was looking for like, how do I like get stuck into it? How do I surround myself with people who are just like going at 110 miles an hour for their dreams and so you know when I got to New York I found that and I was like great the moment I stepped foot on like New York soil I was like this is my this is my kind of place and and it's felt like that ever since that's so great that's so great okay so um so Fast forward to 2014 and you have opened your first restaurant and you've got this uh, renewed relationship or deeper relationship with, with God at that time. Those, those two things are happening together. So talk to me a little bit about those early days, like your first 90 days in business. What was that like? It was yeah, really transformational. So we opened, um, June 26th, 2014. And first day we did like 250 bucks uh, in revenue and that just selling coffee. And that was like more money than I think Henry or I thought we'd make in the whole week. (laughs) We were like, wow, like we did like no advertising. We had Instagram, but there was like seven followers. It was like my mum, Henry's mum and like five close friends. So we were just like, you know, we were just like blown away that people were coming in. And then the next day it was like 500 in sales. And the next day it was a thousand in sales and it was 1500. And then it was by the end of the week, we did like a $2,000 day. And we, uh, we were just really obviously blown away by that. And like the support of the community, um, around us, we were like so lucky to, we had a, an Australian gentleman who also owned an Australian cafe in the city was having a, an article written about him and another operator uh, by the New York Times. And he so kindly um, 
suggested that that journalist come to Two Hands and include Two Hands in that article. And we that was on a Thursday in the New York Times, the food section, and on Saturday it just went bananas. There were, like, lines out the door, um, people, like, queuing for an hour to get what essentially at that point in time was literally just, like, coffee and avocado toast. <laughs> That's, like, all we did. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, and that from that point on, like, the groundswell just grew. We were, like, so blessed to, like, have a lot of big, like, social media influencers come in and tweet and blog and and gram about it and then our instagram following um started to like build really quickly and we'd have like um you know 16 year old girls come from like philadelphia and like bring their dad and be like i saw this on instagram and her dad be like you just had to come like <laughs> <laughs> she dragged me here and then him not being quite sure why because it was coffee and, and toast with avocado <laughs> on it but like her being just like absolutely blown away because like you know her favorite instagrammer had been in here and so we just you know i remember like just days of just looking back at this line of people and just like furiously smashing avocado toast or furiously like making like flat whites and and just being super blown <laughs> away by it but there was there's this really cool story that i that i tell often in um in this scenario where we uh we were so lucky to have first of all like a lot of our church friends like support and then like the you know the church we were going to at the time just ge- just generally get behind us and uh, and the officers for for two um churches which we knew both like the pastors just come in a lot so there was just like a lot of people who were just like really you know filled with the spirit like in the space and so that was like so big for us and then one afternoon I noticed that like there had been this like group of young kids, like probably like 16, 17 years old, if that, like coming in every day, it was school holidays by that time, and just like pulling up a few tables and then just like reading their Bibles and doing like a Bible study. And I was like, that is amazing that like these kids like feel comfortable not knowing who we are, having no idea like, you know, what, um, you know, what Two Hands is all about other than like the food we serve. And just, and feeling comfortable just like reading like the word of the Lord and just like, and just like, you know, praising him, talking about him, praying. And I just was blown away by that. And anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to these guys. I presume that maybe they go to my, go to my church. Um, And I went up to them and I was like, oh, hey, I'm just like, thank you so much for like doing what you're doing. I just think that like the fact that you're reading, like the Bible in here is amazing. And um, I was like, what, you know, like what church do you go to? And they went to like a church, like in the Bronx, <laughs> like, like 45 minutes wow. right away. Like they deliberately like came down to two hands to do this out completely out of their way. And so I was like, Oh look, like that is just like the biggest blessing. So thank you. And so I walked away and I, uh, and I was like, I'm going to put on a worship song. I'm just going to like, you know, it's them and like a few other people. I'm going to just like, I'm going to like honor them by just like doing that. And so I, um, I put on oceans by Hillsong United and you could see like the moment, like the first note, like started playing, they all started looking at each other and they were like, is that, is that what I think it is? Is that? (laughs) And I was just like watching them. And as they started to like fully realize that it was on, they like, there was probably about eight of them. They all got out of their seats and they all just started to dance and like and sing <laughs> in the middle of the cafe. And I was just like, wow. everyone, all the all of our other staff were just like, 
what is happening? <laughs> what have you put on? And I was just yeah. like, and it was just like the room was just like so, so filled with the spirit. And I was just like, and it has has felt that way ever since. And and you just like, I mean, we pray that like that that effect is the same on every single person that walks in. But it is, you know, we hear all the time that that's kind of like what people what people feel when they when they enter hands like knowingly or unknowingly. So yeah, just super blessed um, for that. Where does the name two hands come from? It's, it's inspired like by a few things. Like there's an Australian film that, uh, uh, Heath Ledger starred in. Um, it's like kind of based roughly like in and around where I grew up. The content of the film isn't like, <laughs> it's like about bank robbery and, and whatnot. And it's a little bit dark, but it's, um, it's roughly based on that, but it's also like once we had the name two hands in our minds, it's like something that we really wanted to, use it started to like be like okay well you make you make you do everything with your two hands you you know we make the food with our two hands we make the coffee like you know you give someone a high five a hug uh, all of this stuff and essentially like the idea was that like you know if you do it with your two hands like you put like a lot of love into it um and so that would that that is always what we you know want everyone in the in the company in the business to do is to like if you're doing it just do it with love um and then you know you don't kind of you don't have to worry so much about the rest of it because like if your intention is love then people will like be affected by that so that's the yeah that's the inspiration we'll return to my interview with giles russell in just a moment But first, I want to let you know that I send out a free coaching email each week with practical advice from a Christian perspective to help you be more productive as you pursue all that God is calling you to. Join a community of thousands of people that include business owners, career professionals, and ministry leaders who receive my email each week. Sign up at dawnsadler.com slash subscribe. And now... Back to my interview with Giles Russell. Uh, so you're you've got your first location and you are making coffee and uh, like you said, flat whites and avocado toast like crazy. And I just want to say, are are the Australians the one that brought avocado toast, the avocado toast craze to America? Is that an Australian thing? Um, I think Australians would probably claim that, but I think the Californians would probably debate that. Um, I see. So. I'm not sure who first put avocado on bread. Well, thank you to whoever. <laughs> but yeah, certainly I think the Australian cafe <laughs> in New York like popularized it in a way that had never been had. We we brought it back if it was here before, certainly. I see. So then you tell me about your second location. How did that one come about? So like we were kind of bursting at the seams with our first location and there were just like a few limitations size-wise, cooking-wise, like our, our hours of operation and uh, and the style of food that we kind of like were cooking but wanted to cook but couldn't cook. Um, so we we were like, okay, maybe maybe there's a, a second location out there for us. And so I was spending a lot of time in Tribeca just because it was an area that I really loved, like, rela- you know, spending time and relaxing in. And I found a space um, on the corner of Church and Leonard and it was – previously a Mexican restaurant and was the rent was like really really reasonable for the area we really felt like Tribeca needed a cafe in the style that we um wanted to bring um it had lots of fancy restaurants but then didn't have like a community meeting place and that for you know pretty much better 
um, you know, that kind of is what Two Hands is all about, is to be a community meeting place for the people who live there. We, we don't have any, any intention of coming in and, like, just dropping in some sort of, like, cookie-cutter concept. We want to be there for the people that live there. And Tribeca definitely felt like it was crying out for that. So, yeah, it was a really quick process. We kind of negotiated the lease um, within, like, four weeks or something, and then suddenly we had this... 3,000 square foot three floor restaurant <laughs> that we had to build out from scratch um, and so that's when the learning really really began and it has been three years of um, of a lot of downs and and but also a lot of ups um, but and a lot of just like amazing learnings um, I think preparing us for what is to come but yeah it's uh it's definitely been the testing the testing ground for for our business and as you know as leaders and as business people for sure. It's a beautiful space. And as you know, I'm in love with your floors. Someday I'm going to have a, someday I'm going to have a beach house and have those floors. Um, (laughs) But tell me, do you feel like hospitality is your calling from God? And if so, why, why do you think that he's called you to that? Or what is it that you feel called to do in hospitality? Yeah, that's, it's, that's interesting that you ask, because I was thinking about that just before our we jumped on. Yes, I definitely feel like I'm called to this industry. Um, why? I think that it's because like I have since day one and continue to do so and will always do so just like love people. I just am happiest when I'm around them. Not that I can't not be around them. It's important to have your own time right. to yourself. But um, And I'm finding that more and more as I kind of like get older and busier. But I... I just really, really enjoy like talking to people and just like learning about them and just like investing in them in like any way that I can, whether that's like with a smile or a kind word or whether that's just like, you know, being with them and enjoying a coffee Um, because I think we're like put on this earth to be around people. We're put on this earth to like create relationships with each other and, and to like and to be there for each other. That's kind of like, you know, what, my mum taught us growing up is that like you're you're on on this earth for others not for yourself and if you live a life like that like Jesus did like then you'll be you'll be the happiest you can be and so that's like what hospitality is all about that's like that that person walks in and suddenly it's your responsibility to make that person happier when they walk out than then when they walked in and I just think that that's like the fact that I get paid to think about that and do that and you know and and create a culture around that is just like so amazing and um it's a yeah it's just something that i enjoy doing every day and so it's interesting because i a a little while ago a few years ago i listened to um uh, a message by um pastor robert ferguson um who's at hillsong and he essentially said that like hospitality is you know is a calling from god for everyone that like inviting people to your house and like you know and breaking bread with them and 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 making them feel loved when they walk in that door that's like that's you know god's like calling you know for for all of us to do that um and so the fact that i get to do it and you know it's com- commercially viable to do so is like pretty epic <laughs> I'm yeah very very cool do you feel like in a city like New York that can be so isolating that um, something like that is is 
a form of evangelism almost, or would you call it that? Even yeah. if it's not being at the table telling people about Jesus, just creating a space like that, like you said, to break bread together and to love people well within that context. Does that feel like a form of evangelism for you? Yeah, 100%. 100 percent and i didn't realize that i don't think until like i was in it but when you know as soon as i kind of got a feel for it like as an owner more certain more less than like an employee i was like this is this is especially in this city like more people than none the more people than not like come to the city alone either not knowing anyone or knowing very few people and even if they do know those people they see them very rarely we all know that um I think everyone's apartment is like pretty small <laughs> and, and, <dark>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, um, and expensive. And so like people like to get out of their apartments as much as they can. Um, and I think, uh, the same of offices, most offices are si- similar description. And so, you know, New York, other than central park, like we, we don't have like the beaches and the, and the, the Harbor and the whatnot that Sydney does. So like, People in Australia and in other like more outdoorsy places, we we meet in outdoor spaces. Whereas in in New York, you meet at restaurants and bars and cafes. Like there are parks and beaches, right? Um, for the most part, and so you just find these people like searching out a space that makes them feel good, that makes them like you know yeah. feel loved and appreciated and taken care of, and and I and I think that's awesome, and and we want that place, you know. I don't know who termed this, maybe it was Starbucks or something, but like that third place, you know, it's not your home, that's not your office. We want that like to be two hands for everyone who lives in this area or anywhere in the city really so that you just feel at home. Like, you know, that's our goal is to like have you walk in this door like a stranger and have you leave like feeling like you have a relationship with both the staff and the, the, the business and the, like the brand and also um, that you feel like, you know, family when you leave. Lofty yeah. goal, but. It's a, <laughs> but I think you do it well. You know, I think there was such a great compliment. Um, I heard you, we were talking before we hit record that I heard you speak recently and somebody who was in the audience said, um, I go to two hands all the time. I really love it there. I didn't know why, but now I do because she had heard you speak about your philosophy about hospitality and creating that third space and, um, you know, as you said, people walk in strangers and walk out friends. And so even though people don't know your faith, um, they feel that. And so I, I just, I, I think it's exciting. Are you at liberty to tell us the two locations that you're opening this year or is that still under wraps? Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people know, not a hundred percent. It's kind of like, it's not definitely not a secret, but at the same time, like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, sometimes I'm very like, um, humble with that. I'm, I am not sometimes always very humble with that stuff until it's like <laughs> open. I kind of like feel awkward talking about it cause it feels boasty. Zoe does it to me all the time. She's like, Oh, we've got two restaurants and two opening. And I'm like, no, oh, don't talk about those ones yet. They're not, they're not open. So, but yeah, I mean, but, <laughs> It's like with the first two, like that community, like support from our community, our church community is like so big. So, yeah, but you may, may or may not be going to Brooklyn if I understand, right? Yeah, we're going, we're opening in Williamsburg. Um, yeah. So, which is super, super exciting. So, 
Um, yeah. It's a neighborhood yeah. that I love and I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Well, I just could not be more excited to see everything that's happened, not just in your business, but in your life with your, um, your growing family and your beautiful wife. And I'm so honored. Uh, so much of your story I didn't know, and it's so exciting. And I think that for any of our listeners, whether or not you know, we dream of opening a restaurant. I think there's so much, um, we all have people in our life, right? We have people in our office. We have people, um, on the train, we've got people everywhere. And just, uh, your story is so inspiring just about that intentional focus on making friends of strangers. Um, I think it's inspiring to all of us. So thank you for that. Um, so we like to wrap up our episodes with what we call the final five, five questions designed to further resource our listeners. And so the first question that I'll ask is, other than the Bible, what is one book that changed your life and why? I read a book recently um, that certainly changed my perspective on how to manage people, which is called Radically um, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. She's like a Google... Apple alumni, and uh, it's all essentially about like um, being radically candid with the people that you work with, but doing that out of a place of like caring about them first and foremost. Because if you don't care about someone, if you criticize them, it's just going to sound like you're being um, uh, an a hole. <laughs> so I, I really like. I mean, I thought that was just like so. There was so much of like Christ in that. Um, because it's important to be able to tell people that they're not doing a good job. It's also important to be able to tell people they're doing a really good job, but be sincere about it. If you do that and you, if you say, oh, you're doing a great job, but you don't actually care about them, it comes off as insincere. So, yeah, that's, I really, really enjoyed reading that. I'm kind of like diving back into it and pulling stuff out that I, I may have forgotten. But, um, yeah, I just felt that like the, the world needs a little bit more of that like truth and love, as we say. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners, I will include links to um, these resources in the show notes. Tell us what is one podcast that you're listening to now and why? I love How I Built This by Guy Raz. Yeah. <laughs> we get that. That's the number one. That's the number. It's my favorite too. And that's what a lot of our, our guests say. But tell me why you love it. I just love hearing the stories of entrepreneurs and how like you see these massive businesses and you just kind of, for some weird reason, despite the fact that you probably know deep down that it's not true, that it feels like they just did it overnight and they did it easy. And to hear that like, you know, businesses like Southwest, you know, South by South, not South by Southwest, like Southwest Airlines and uh, what did I listen to the other day? Like um, it was this great one on... Oh, like that, that website about um about getting married. The knot, the knot dot com. Um that, uh -huh. that they just like there was such a period of struggle and they and that these businesses just like go through everything and it's about like, you know, just having faith that like there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, that like you're pro you know, the, it's about the process and the and the journey, not the necessarily destination, because like as soon as you get there there's always something new to do and to aim for. And so I, yeah, I just, I really relate to that. And I, and I, it's really encouraging to know that like, okay, like these people are going through the same thing as me. And like, there's so much of our culture right now, which is all about overnight success. And I think like with this whole like startup world and like 
you know, $100 billion Uber IPOs that like, we just kind of get this feeling that like, oh, like I should be more successful. Like it should be happening quicker. And it's just like, it's just not true. It just doesn't work like that. Like even within those situations, those businesses took decades to build and they began somewhere as in like this tiny little embryonic idea um, by someone who didn't really know what they were doing either. And so, yeah, I just take a lot of solace and a lot of like inspiration and I get really excited by what's to come for two hands. Yeah, I think that's true too. The thing I like about that podcast and goes along with what you were saying is that I think also people feel like, why isn't it easier if this was the right path? Uh, if this was really where God had me, this would be easier. And that's not true at not all true. that there's always challenges. That's where God, where God meets us. Yeah. So I love that too. Um, tell mm -hmm. me what is your favorite Bible verse and why? I, um, I've got a few, but I'll, um, I'll read this one because it's one that I've been kind of like thinking about recently. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. So it's, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And, and I've really been thinking about that because like so much of like what this business has been over the past like 18 months is like planning for the future and that's like really scary because like I don't know what is to come and I I don't know if I'm making the right decision. And so that verse like it just gives me like it gives me strength, it gives me faith that like his plans are good. Like bad stuff happens, no doubt, but it's not like that's not, you know, it's not God like condemning you or like, or, you know, having these bad things happen to you, that's the world. The world has that, has that and you through that have to just um, have, you know, have faith and just and and stay close and, and dig deeper and, uh, you know, just be, be more like Christ as opposed to, you know, like running away from it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my verse of the, of the moment. Hmm. I like that. I like that. So tell me, what's the best business advice you ever received? The best business advice, I think, um, is something that I've collected um, over the past, like, four or five years as I've been a businessman. But if if your business is about, like, others, if it's about doing something good for others um, and that's, like, its core intention, that's, like, the the mission, is that is that your business will always be be successful um you know it it might not look like <laughs> millions and millions of dollars but that's we all know like um that that doesn't make you happy and so i really i really focus on that i i keep on hearing that more and more which is like so encouraging to hear that like more business people are thinking like that that it's, it's not about like the bottom line it's about like the, the value um, that you bring to like the people that you're serving. Yeah. 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 That's so good. What would you, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to uh, originally this was question was going to be about who wants to open a restaurant, but I think the question is really more broad than that. What advice would you give to someone who wants to just exercise more radical hospitality in whatever field they're in? Yeah, it's a, that's a really, 
really, really good question. I think that, yeah, first and foremost, like in any like relationship, um, certainly a business relationship, um, the first question should be like, what, what can I do for this person to make their lives better? How do I, how do I invest in this person? I think we always, we sometimes think like, all right, like this person walks into the restaurant. The financial part of this is like, I need them to spend like 20 X, whatever, like 20 bucks, um, in order for that table to be like worth it. Um, and for me to like hit my revenues and, and my bottom line and X, Y, Z. But like, if you, if you start with that mentality, if you start with like, okay, like what can that person do for me or what do I need for that person? Like, you're just going to come up short every time. Um, but if you start with like, okay, like how do I add value? How do I like add experience? How do I add love like into this person's life? Then like, you will always find like the dividend payback from that, like far exceed what you initially thought you could have got, um, out of that relationship, out of that, you know, like what a transaction. And so I just, yeah, I would, I would just encourage every, you know, anyone who, who's like starting a business or who's like looking to increase the hospitality, um, portion of their life to just like go out there and even if it's just so small as you know having a friend over and like calling them up and being like hey do you have any allergies <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, like that yeah like, that's true it matters like it it's it's that it's the fact that like that person now th- knows that you were thinking about them before they walked into your door um and there's a level of care that goes with that and so yeah i just i i really um yeah, encourage other people to just like to be thinking about how they can yeah add value to someone else's life and the rest will take care of itself. Hmm. That's so great. That's so great. Hey, Giles, before we wrap up, do you mind taking a moment just to pray over our listeners? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, Father God, I just thank you, obviously, for everything that you're doing for us, that you are incredibly present in all that we do, that you are, you're here whenever we need you, that you're always just guiding us, even if we don't realize it, down a a path towards you um, and for your kingdom. I just pray that anyone who's listening, that they would just be encouraged by that, that they would just uh, be lifted um, by the fact that you you care and you love them very much without you having to do anything, that they, uh, that who they are and, um, and, you know, what they want, uh, is good um, and that God wants that you know goodness to come out of your life and that he supports and he knows like what your deepest dreams are and that all you have to do is ask um, Father God that all we need to do is is just draw close to you so you know your, your presence is all we need you are you know the bread of life so Father God I, I just thank you for that I'm just uh, so grateful for your presence. Amen. Amen. Giles, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Don. I really love chatting. I'd like to thank my guest, Giles Russell, for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode at donsouther.com slash 039. 
If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. This helps more people find the podcast and join the community. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by The Peak Page. The Peak Page is a free printable daily planning tool that has five high-performance productivity tools on a single page. The Peak Page can help you create more time, energy, and results in your day. Download your free copy at donsadler.com slash peak. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.